So it's um, you know it's a great opportunity for us to reevaluate our life as um, as sons and daughters of the living King of Kings, and um, and so tonight I just want to talk to you about um, about breaking down walls, breaking down those things that stop us from going further in God. And so this weekend is a really great opportunity to look at those things. And, and so just in, in just sharing what, um, what's on my heart for you um, for this evening, you know, I'm just really praying that the Holy Spirit will just touch you and minister to you and just um, drop things into your hearts and, and just tell you things, things that perhaps, you know, you had not even thought about, things that you maybe didn't even realize was there. You know, and the Holy Spirit Spirit starts putting things in your heart. And that is because, because God loves us so much, he wants to transform us. He wants to work in us. And when we put, us, put ourselves in that place to allow God to, to have his way in our lives, then we will be changed. We will be transformed. Things will start happening. We will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because that's what we want. God wants to speak to us. And the more we want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, then the more likely we will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, God is speaking all the time. And, you know, and we, my prayer, prayer for my life constantly is, God, I want to hear your voice. God, open the eyes of my heart, my ears to hear what it is that you are saying. And so I'm going to read from Numbers 13. I'm going to read story to you. Um, so the Israelites have come out of slavery from the Egyptians with Moses, their leader. And God takes them on, the journey, on this journey through the wilderness and they're following the presence of God. Now the presence of God that they were following was a cloud by day and fire by night. And they were following the presence of God to a place that God had promised to them, the promised land. God had promised a land of their own. And so now they're at this place, and in verse, from verse um, 1 in chapter 13, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, and send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, and these are their names. These are a list of their names. And so they searched out. <laughs> so they searched out the um, land for about 40 days, and they came back with a report. So I'm going to read from verse 20 to 26. Um, so they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, Kadesh, in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites and, Jeb and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live in the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the... And they, spread, and, they, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land that we explored devours, devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak um, that come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? You know, it's quite a sad story, really, isn't it? You know, I imagine that, you know, they would have known about this promised land for hundreds of years. God went to Abraham for about 600 years before that and said, to Abraham, I want to show you a land. And he took Abraham and he showed this land to Abraham and said, this is going to be a land for you and your descendants. And so probably for the next 600 years, they would all have been talking about this land that they were going to inherit and they would have known about it and they would have been, you know, talking about it. There would have been this great expectation, you know, and so they went on this long journey to get to this land, but they couldn't take the land that was promised to them. They couldn't take the land that God said to them belonged to them because fear came over them. They were overwhelmed with fear. You know, and I find it's really interesting how, you know, they they were going through um, the wilderness and, um, you know, that um, God was with them. They were following God. And throughout this journey of going through the wilderness, um, they would have seen miracles and amazing things happening. And, um, you know, God fed them. He gave them some water. And in the Bible, it says about how their clothes never wore out and their shoes never wore out. And God was with them the whole time on the journey. And yet when they got to the point of taking hold of the land, they couldn't do it. You know, so I started thinking about this. And I was thinking, 
You know, I don't understand that. Surely these people knew that God was with them. Surely, surely that, you know, they should have felt like, you know, God is with us. He got us out of Egypt and we've seen God's mighty hand at work. And so surely, you know, it, you know in their hearts to be thinking, yes, this is our next step. We're going to take this land. But something must have happened along the way on this journey. You know, um, I just think that maybe sometimes, you know, we can have moments where, you know, we encounter the presence of God. It's an amazing encounter. We know he's there. We may even see miracles or people um, getting healed and people getting saved and, and different things like that. And we know God is at work. But then we get to the point where we know God is saying, you know, right, I want you to do this. But something stops us. Fear gets hold of us, you know, and we start to think, well, is God really with me? You know, and we start to question whether God is with us. We start to question our trust in God. Can I actually really trust God? Maybe something happened along the way, along this journey that made me think, I don't know if I can actually fully trust God anymore. And, um, you know, it's, you know, God had said to the Israelites, you know, I want you to go and take this land because I am with you. Take courage, you know, do not be afraid. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You know, God says that to each and every one of us, even tonight, you know, even today when we're hearing the word come in, God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And yet, there's probably things in our life that's not able to actually believe that 100%. There are things in our life that we need to let go of so that we can completely and totally and utterly trust God. You know, these, um, these guys, um, they could only see the strongholds that were before them. You know, the city was surrounded by um, a fortified wall um, where the, you know, it was just, it was barred and you couldn't really get in properly. And so these, I don't know how the spies got in there, but they got in there and, you know, and it's really, um, and they, they saw the giants there and the people there. And they were, you know, they were consumed by all the things that were there in terms of like the things that scared them and put fear in them. And the, all of this fear and all of this started putting strongholds in their life and made, stopping them from believing that God is mightier than the things that were before them. You know, we can know in our hearts, you know, God is mighty, God is strong and all this. But sometimes when we're faced with something, fear can grip us and we forget how mighty God is, how strong God's hand is. You know, and so we start to distrust God and we start to worry and um, you know when um, what's really important is just believing the word of God it's really really important that when God speaks that we hear it and we believe it you know all the things that Richard was talking about today about being sons and daughters being loved being pursued we need to believe that and if there's any area in our life where there's any sort of inclination that we can't believe that, then we need to just, um, we just need to stamp that out because that is where the enemy will get his foothold. That is where when we're 
facing the things that we're supposed to step into, that it's that niggling thing that will bring in that little bit of doubt into our hearts, that little bit of mistrust, that little bit of, you know, I don't know if I can do that, which causes us then to be disobedient. It will cause us then to compromise. And it's just these little things that just get in our way of going further in God. You know, in Mark 4, it talks about um, the parable of the sower. You know, if we do not believe God and put our trust in him, then instead of the things that he says going into our hearts and, and then us producing fruit of like 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times, instead of producing fruit like that, then Satan can come along and snatch the words that God has put in our lives. Uh, you know, um, there's people in this room that have got promises. In fact, we've all got promises over our lives. But there's probably people in here that know what those promises are. And I hope that even by the end of this tonight or this weekend, that everyone will know the promises of God in their lives, the promises of God for your lives. You know, God has put giftings, abilities, and talents in each and every one of us. And that is for a reason. He's done that because he wants to bring, bring glory to himself. So all that he's put in you is really, really good. And he's done that because he wants to bring glory to himself. And so each and every one of us here being created to bring glory to God. You know, I love that picture of the butterfly of like looking all beautiful and, you know, it's come, it's now and it's the purpose and it's, you know, it's looking how it's meant to look and it's all beautiful and it's off. You know, and it just made me think, you know, the beauty of that butterfly brings glory to God. You know, when you look at that beautiful butterfly, you can't help but look at the creator and think, wow, God. You know, it's like um, Hal, when he was praying his prayer tonight before tea, and he was saying, thank you, God, for the beautiful, everywhere it's so beautiful, and all this, and, and it's really good. And, you know, we can't help but look and see God did this. And this is what our lives are supposed to show. This is what our lives are supposed to represent. They're supposed to represent something of the goodness of God. And, you know, another part of the um, parable of sorrow, it says that, um, you know, when, um, when we don't believe the word of God over our lives, that, you know, um, um, trouble can come. And, you know, and we, we find things really hard because, you know, because we're not believing the truth, because we're not believing the word of God, that when things start getting difficult, then it says here that, he, that we start to fall away. You know, we know people, don't we, that, you know, and they're even they've become a Christian or whatever, and they've fallen away, you know. And I just say, think, God, they just did not know the word of their life. They did not know the plans and purposes that you had for them. Because if they knew fully the plans and purposes that were upon their life, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter what they're going through, they would not have fallen away. And also it says that if, um, that the truth, the word over our lives, what we believe to be true about ourselves can actually be choked by being concerned and of, um, about the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. 
You know, there's things that are going on in this world that wants to rob you of the word that's over your life, wants to rob you of the things that God is doing. And so we have to know what the truth is. We have to know what the word of God is for us, what the promises of God are. And we have to set our face like Flint and say, I am going to press on towards the goal that God has set for me. Um, you know, we are all different. We've all had, we've got different backgrounds. We've all had successes and failings. You know, we've um, um, we all got different parents that have all brought us up in different ways. We may have had parents or teachers that have constantly praised us or criticised us. We may have, um, you know, all sorts of different things. We all have come from a different place, you know, and all these things that have happened in our life affects how we think, how we feel about situations, how we, what we understand about life. And it shapes all of that. And, um, and sometimes the voice of like, our experience and the things that we've gone through can shout really loud, can seem really loud, especially when we're facing something. And, you know, and sometimes these thoughts go about, well, remember when that happened, that happened. You know, and sometimes fear can start coming into our hearts. And sometimes we, or we can start looking at things around us and think, well, why have I not got that? Or why is that different for me? Why are they being blessed? And, you know, and I'm not being blessed. And, you know, we start, start finding ourselves becoming, like, discontent and dissatisfied. And, you know, um, you know, so all of these things that are going on us can have a real influence over our lives. But, you know, the Word of God has said... Um, you know, that, um, that we should not be led by flesh, as we are not in the realm of flesh, but we are in the realm of the Spirit. And it says that in Romans 8, verse 9. You know, when these voices, um, when I put more attention on the voices that, that are coming in from the world and the things around me, you know, it, it's, like, it's like saying I'm putting more weight on that than on the things of the Spirit. It's like saying, I know better than God. You know, when we make a decision and say, actually, or, or that realization of, actually, I am not going to live by the flesh anymore. I'm going to live by the Holy Spirit. You know, we are now um, partakers of the divine nature of God. God is spirit, and we can now connect with him by the spirit that God puts in for in us. And, you know, we have to realize that we are not um, under the laws of this world anymore, but under the spiritual laws, which actually is better, is actually more powerful, which actually exceeds that that we can see and feel that's going on around us. Um, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10. So in 2 Corinthians 10, verse, um, we read verse 4 and 5. It says, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. So we are spiritual people and we're being given spiritual weapons. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So tonight, I want to talk to you about demolishing the strongholds that are in our lives, that's stopping us from going further with God. You know, when we have strongholds in our life, we are limited by all the things. Um, we are limited from going um, to the place that God has got for us. We are limited to know the fullness of God in our life. And, you know, in the, um, and to demolish these strongholds, the weapons that we have, is our trust and our faith in God. You know, our trust and our faith in God is probably one of our greatest weapons against the enemy. We can break down strongholds in our life simply by trusting and having faith in God. Also, other weapons that we have... We've got loads, there's loads of spiritual weapons in the Bible. But the, my favorite ones are joy, peace, and righteousness. God has given us joy, peace, and righteousness to break every single stronghold that could ever come and stop us from entering into the purposes of God. You know, so we have to take, are we the rest of that? as well. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if in your life, your experience, in any part of your life, you experience a lack of joy, a lack of peace, a lack of um, doing what's right, being righteous in God, or maybe mistrust, or a lack of faith, then something is not quite right. There's something, there's a light that's somewhere that you're believing. There's something that you're believing that's not the truth. Because when we believe the truth, when our lives are set and based on the truth, then we can know such joy, such peace, such righteousness. You know, God wants us to take captive every thought that exalts itself above, um, above, um, um, above him. He wants us to take captive every thought that um, exalts a person, circumstance, emotion over God's promises. For example, if you have a hopeless thought... You are raising that thought higher than the God of all hope. Yeah. If I worry about something or are in fear of something, then I'm giving more power to that than, than to the one, the God Almighty, who says that he cares for me and that he is with me and will never leave me. Yeah. Our thoughts of hopelessness, our fear, our discontentment, becomes fortresses that affect our everyday lives and how we behave. And before we know it, we start to compromise. We start being disobedient to the word of God because we think, do you know what? I don't want to do what God says in this because it's too difficult. It's too hard. And that is because we think it's too difficult or too hard. But actually, God is with us and when we put our trust and our faith in him that actually it's not too difficult it's not too hard and we only think it's difficult or too hard because we for some reason or there must be somewhere in us that thinks well god is not with us 
A fortress is a place of defence. It is a well-fortified position that is ready to defend its right to stay in that place. So if you have a stronghold of thinking that you are always unloved or always rejected, then your brain will constantly look for proof to defend that belief. You know, and then we become blind to any circumstance that tries to show us that we are loved and accepted yeah. because our belief system is not looking for that. It's looking for rejection and, and not being loved. Um, if our um, stronghold in our life is dissatisfaction, then we will always be looking for proof to defend that belief that we will always look and think the grass is always greener over there. We tend to look for that that we want to look for. You know, the Israelites grumbled so much against God and um, they lost sight. They lost sight of who they were and where they were going. They lost sight from where they'd come from and the power of God that was going to take them into the promised land. So let's not be those that lose sight of what God is doing in our lives. You know, open yourselves up, even like we're going to spend some more time doing some worship and we're going to pray for each other um, and we're going to have a time of ministry and all of that. Let's just say to God, God, where have I lost sight? Where is it? that um, I am losing my confidence in you, God. You know, we are to be like those described in Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, where um, it says that um, where we, um, we do not judge by what we see with our eyes or decide anything by what we hear with our ears, but we are, led to, but we are to be led by the, by the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and of power. So we do not judge by what we see and we are by what we hear, but we judge by the spirit of wisdom. Yeah. You know, this is God's call on each and every one of us, that we are to be those that are spiritual people, that whatever is going on around us, whatever we see, whatever we hear, that actually we have another line connected to the Holy Spirit, and we hear what he is saying to us. Um, you know, maybe, um, you know, it'd be, even, it'd be good to just be asking the Holy Spirit even now that, um, you know, where do you think in your life there might be um, some disbelief? Now, I don't believe that everyone, you know, maybe someone here has not really accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, you know, we can pray for you for that. We can pray for you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because I hope that this weekend you will discover that there is no one, there is no one that you can, that's worth giving your life to, like giving your life to Jesus. But if there's anyone here that you've got an element of disbelief, you might not even realize it. You might not even be aware of it. But there is something that's stopping you from believing that God wants to use you, that God wants to use you to heal the sick. God actually wants you to use you to raise people from the dead. 
God wants to use you to, to see people set free. He wants to use you to, to um, see people saved. Maybe there's something in your heart that actually thinks, do you know what, I don't know if I can believe that God has truly, truly accepted me. I don't know if I can believe that God has truly, truly forgiven me. You know, maybe there's things that are going on in your heart and mind, and the Holy Spirit is dropping things in your heart and saying, this, you, this is what you're thinking right now that's stopping you from going further with me. Maybe you've hit a wall in your life, in your walk with God. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is that about? Reveal it to me. You know, there, um, the walls of um, unbelief, disobedience, fear, dissatisfaction. We want to get rid of all of those. We want to go further in God. You know, the good news is that the Israelites did eventually get to the promised land. So that's the good news. Um, so, um, but it happened quite a lot later in the Bible, um, about 40 years of more wandering in the desert. And um, so later in Joshua 6, which we're going to read in a minute, um, we read about, um, um, actually I'm not going to read that bit, but in Joshua 6, um, it talks about how Joshua um, led the people to um, round the walls of Jericho. And, um, and what had happened is God had said to, to um, Joshua, what I want you to do is walk around the walls of Jericho um, six times, and on the seventh day, um, or six, once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the walls for seven, day, for seven times, and then with trumpets and loud blasts of trumpets and praise and shout, um, the wall is going to come tumbling down. So... Um, so this is what happened, and they started marching around the walls. And um, but just before that, um, in Joshua five, so I want you to turn to Joshua five. Joshua met with a man. So we heard about this earlier. Richard mentioned this about when Joshua came before the Lord, and he humbled himself and he kneeled down before him and said, "God." He said, God, um, what would you have me do? So I'm going to read this. It's from verse 13, Joshua 5. Now when Joshua went near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the Lord, of the, of the Lord I, am now, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were, Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites, and no one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So Joshua humbled himself before the Lord. And even though the walls were securely barred, Joshua believed God. 
You know, we can be faced with things even now. Maybe you know the promises of God for you. Maybe you know that God has something for you. But it, it looks like it's an almost impossible situation that this is going to happen. And maybe you know the promises of God and you, you know, you maybe think, oh, it's not really quite happening yet, but I know it will happen one day. And, and maybe you'll be faced one day with that situation of stepping into the promises of God. And you just think, but it just looks impossible. It looks really impossible. What you need to remember is God is greater. God is mightier. God can do anything. Whatever impossibility you are facing, God can deal with it. God calls us to be obedient to him. And as we humble ourselves before God, as we say to God, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I don't want to hold anything back. Now, God fills us with his joy. He fills us with his peace. He fills us with his righteousness and gives us the strength and the power to do what he wants us to do. As we break down those strongholds, we will go further in God. We will step out onto the front line, representing Jesus, revealing God wherever we go, looking amazing, bringing glory to him, because we're so full of his abundant life, so happy. So, um, you know, God wants us to have happy lives. God wants us to be joyful. God wants us to know his peace. When things are difficult, it doesn't want us to be walking around all mopey and upset and feeling all forlorn. He wants us to say, God, in this situation, I believe that you are mightier, that you are stronger, and I'm giving my life to you, my trust to you, and I'm going to just know your peace in this situation. That's what God wants for us. That's what living life to the full is all about. You know, imagine the Israelites walking around the walls of Jericho. I wonder if while they were walking around the walls of Jericho, that, um, you know, they started letting go of, like, hurts. They started letting go of disbelief. That as they were walking around, God was working in their hearts and fear started to go. You know, I wonder if all of these things were happening so that on the seventh day of this, after the seventh time going round, that their hearts were so full of, the, of knowing that God will do what he will say he was going to do. So when they turned and faced that wall and shouted, and as the trumpets blasted, those walls came tumbling down. Um, I want to just finish with reading some verses to you. Um, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Romans 8:28. And we know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Psalm 23, verse 6 even in the midst of trials, surely, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. God has amazing things for you to step into. He has plans and he has promises that he wants you to have. He wants you to know the fullness of it. 
You know, and as you step into those, those promises, you will know such fulfillment, such joy, such peace, such righteousness. You know, hunger and thirst after the truth. Humble yourself before God. Listen to what God is saying and believe that what God is saying is true. Believe that what he says about you is true. Believe that what he said is going to do is going to happen. Put your trust in God. Think about, is there any area of your life that you don't trust God in? Could you be held back in any way in your life? Ask the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend a bit of time now just worshipping God and just giving yourself to God. And, and then we'll, we'll go into a time of just praying for you.